I had a dream. I dreamt of a healthcare delivery system that was based on an ongoing personal doctor-patient relationship and that a physician was actually leading the healthcare team. Was it real or was it Memorex? You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Mr. Francois DeBrant. Mr. DeBrant is the CEO of Bridges to Excellence, a not-for-profit organization that designs and creates programs that encourage physicians and physician practices to deliver safer, more efficient, and more effective care by giving them financial and other incentives to do so. Mr. DeBrant serves on the board of directors of MassPro, the advisory board of the University of Connecticut School of Health Administration, and eHealth Connecticut, Connecticut's Health Information Exchange. Hi, Mr. DeBrant. Thanks for taking the time to join us today at the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you. This is a unique concept, giving financial rewards to physicians. Tell us a bit about the Bridges to Excellence program and how it got started. The effort really started by having large employers get together and focus really on trying to create incentives that would stimulate physicians to deliver better quality of care to patients. And the concept itself is pretty simple. Five years ago, no one really referred to it as pay for performance, but I guess now that's the way it's really being referred to as. I'm a pediatrician, and the concept of the medical home has been around for about 40 years. What happened now that an organization such as Bridges to Excellence chose to focus on the medical home? Well, and as you know, it's the pediatricians who really invented the term medical home, and it has been around for a fair amount of time. In fact, five years ago, when uh, Bridges to Excellence started, we really had the medical home as a model for most of our programs. I think what's happened in the past couple of years is that as the debates around uh, physician payment, physician reimbursement, and also the debates around the slow but steady disappearance of primary care physicians uh, bubbled up, the patient-centered medical home has come to the forefront as a way to address some of these issues. And, of course, you know, our programs were ready-made and tailored to address that issue. In your programs, what constitutes a patient-centered medical home practice? What are the key elements? Well, that's a great question. And one of the elements in the current discussions around the patient-centered medical home that has alarmed me a little is that the focus seems to have been mostly on the types of systems and processes in a physician practice. And our experience really clearly shows that for a practice to be known as and operating as truly a patient-centered medical home, you need to have both a focus on the results of the management of the patients as well as the underlying systems that support the good management of patients. And so our designation around a patient-centered medical home really focuses on both the issue of patient management, good results in patient management, and good support systems. Now, on the website for Bridges to Excellence, you specifically mention use appropriate health information technology. Does that imply that a practice must have a electronic medical record? No, it really doesn't. And, you know, I think what we found is that the critical element in a physician practice that helps to drive good results is to have an information system. Now, in our early days, we thought that the most basic information system would be a shoebox and index cards. It still can be, but it becomes a little bit cumbersome, or the shoebox has to be very large after a while. So having a, you know, to me, a, a basic information system can be a registry and an Excel spreadsheet and a database, and it does not have to be a fancy EMR system. So, you know, I think there, there are ways of getting there that don't require, that don't, don't always require a $50,000 investment. 
Are there specific programs set up that somebody could look at, such as something by the National Committee for Quality Assurance, as to what a patient-centered medical home is or what elements that a practice should be looking at, even if they're not interested in applying to Bridges to Excellence, but just to improve their level of care? Yes, and so there's a new survey that has uh, been published by the National Committee for Quality Assurance called the Physician Practice Connections, the patient-centered medical home version of that tool. And it is fairly comprehensive and assesses the types, again, of systems and processes within a physician practice. Going through that survey would get you the NCQA's designation for a patient-centered medical home. It will not get you bridges to excellences because, again, it focuses solely on the systems and the processes and the practice, not the results of the use of those systems. And we really require both of those to give the designation. And then results are determined or demonstrated how? The results are determined by looking at and assessing the quality of the care given to patients from data collected from medical records. And so it really truly are the the results of the physician's management of those patients. So this really is patient care-centered. I mean, there's no ifs and buts about it. You're looking at the medical record itself and the process of care. That's exactly right. And I think certainly the, the two reports two first reports in the Quality of Care of America that were written and published by the Institute of Medicine, Eris Human, and Crossing the Quality Chasm, very clearly highlighted that in order for care to be patient-centered, for results to be optimized for patients, you need to have a good system that supports the clinician. And that's what we're really trying to establish in our assessments is do you have a good system that's going to support the clinician in his or her work? And can you demonstrate that you're putting those to good use in giving the patient, in a patient-centered way, giving the patient the best possible care? I'm not a rocket scientist, but it seems to me that the retail-based medical clinics should be an anathema to proponents of the patient-centered medical home. What's Bridges to Excellence take on retail-based clinics? Well, I think they have their role. I don't think they do provide patient-centered medical care. I think they have a role as a supplement to care that's delivered by physicians in their practices. I do think that they offer a convenient way for many consumers uh, to access very basic services. And again, I think, you know, there's a, there's a place for many different types of care delivery organizations. And uh, I think it's, all, it's up to all of us to figure out how to make best use of them without sacrificing uh, the patient-centeredness of the care. I'd like to welcome those who are just joining us at the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and I'm speaking today with Mr. Francois de Brandt, CEO of Bridges to Excellence, and we're discussing the patient-centered medical home. You have several insurance carriers on your board of directors, and we've been talking about retail-based medical clinics. Are these executives putting any kind of, pressure is not exactly the word I'd want to use, but any kind of suggestions to the companies that run these retail-based clinics to sort of bring them into the fold of the medical home to make sure that there's accountability? That's a good question, and I really don't know. My sense is that there's lots of ambivalence by certainly the insurance executives that I talk to. Uh, There's lots of ambivalence relative to the uh, minute clinics or the retail-based clinics, um, partially because many times the information systems that those uh, centers have are disaggregated from other information systems. It's a big concern. Uh, Secondly, it's not clear whether these organizations will simply stimulate 
more overuse of medical services than the right use of medical services. So I think there's some ambivalence, but clearly, you know, the American consumer has voiced an opinion on this, and they seem to like the accessibility, the convenience uh, of these retail centers. And so there's a lesson in there for all of us that we need to look at, understand, uh, and take into account. This may not exactly be one of the Bridges to Excellence programs, but you mentioned the consumer. Is, does Bridges to Excellence take any kind of position on consumer-driven health care? Only to the extent that, you know, the positions we've, we've taken are that consumer-driven uh, health plans should not in any way counter the incentives that we're trying to deliver in the delivery system, namely, you know, to encourage physicians to deliver good care to patients. And since we're looking at intermediate outcomes, patient compliance is a big deal. And so, you know, our voice of caution on consumer-directed health plans is that they need to be designed in a way that doesn't in any fashion lead the patient to uh, less compliance uh, than what we have today. One of the advantages, I'm sure, at least in my opinion, of a patient-centered medical home is that there's going to be not only better health, but there should be cost savings due to the better health. What sort of numbers have been tossed around in terms of cost savings? Well, that's a great question. And the short answer is that the rest of the field doesn't seem to have an answer to this question. We do. And we do, but only when applied to the very specific formula that we're using to designate medical homes, which is, as I said earlier, the combination of demonstrating the delivery of good results in patient management and having good systems. When you have that combination, uh, our initial studies indicate that the quality dividend uh, that accrues from that patient-centered medical home uh, is somewhere around $300 per patient per year. It is very significant, and and it is, in fact, what has informed uh, our analysis and recommendations of rewards and financial incentives to physicians of around $125 per patient per year. So it's, a, it's a very much a shared savings model. Uh, the quality dividends can be very, very significant, but only if, again, you focus on both the achievement of good results in patient management supported by robust systems in that practice. Is there a maximum amount that a physician can earn? Well, what we're recommending is maxing it out at $100,000 a year, which, uh, you know, course, is an incredibly significant amount. And the reason for a cap is that uh, incentives are not, should not be designed to be a full replacement income, although when you get to $100,000, it's not bad at all. Although there is, you know, and I think part of this is in recognition of the fact that there's a significant investment that will be required by the practices to achieve medical home designation. And so the incentives need to be commensurate to the capital expense, to the human resource expense that has to be deployed. I divided 100,000 by 125 per patient and got a quotient of 800, meaning 800 patients. As I remember from my managed care days, a full panel of patients for a primary care physician is about 1,200 to 1,400. It seems like that doesn't fully incentivize the physician as well as it should. Well, remember that what we're dealing with in our programs are commercially insured patients. Mm -hmm. And so you need to take out Medicaid, you need to take out Medicare. Once you do that, 800 to 1,000 is probably about the maximum number of commercially insured patients that you'll find in a typical practice. If you would define sort of your concept of the ideal medical home practice, I know that's hard to do in a few minutes, but, you know, just give physicians... Here's where to start. Here's what you ought to do. To me, it really starts by knowing your patients and knowing their numbers. 
And it seems like a very basic test, a very basic and simple thing that any physician should be able to do. But it, it is surprising the extent to which most physicians cannot answer uh, that basic question of how many patients do you have? What are the, the sub-segments? Uh, how many of them do you have that have diabetes? Of those, how many of them are not controlled? These are really critical questions that the physicians have to answer. To the extent that you can answer those questions, that essentially means that you're thinking about each one of those patients and those patients' needs, which essentially means you're being very patient-centered. So it, to me, it really starts by knowing your patients and knowing their numbers. I'd like to thank Mr. Francois de Brandt for being my guest, and we've been discussing the patient-centered medical home. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions. Please visit us at ReachMD.com and explore our on-demand and podcast features, which gives you access to our entire program library. Until next time, I wish you good day and good health.